You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Have they got enough microphones in that studio for four people? That's all I was thinking. Are we on? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm talking over the music. So unprofessional. I'll just carry on doing it in that case, because once I start it, why not? Ross Fletcher, everybody. Hello. Hello there. Hi. Thanks. Thank you. A real radio professional. Good uh, job this is a podcast, isn't it? There you, are no rules. Usually I'm the one we're making fun of for being terrible at this, not you. Well, we've, I've come in today to your studio to make sure you've pressed the record button today. Oh, come on now. Unlike last week's pod or whenever the last time <laughs> we podcasting was. And I'm sorry I got married. It was, my life has been, a, has been a wonderful mess. We spent 20 minutes talking <laughs> beautiful things and you never pressed the record button. No, I did. I screwed it up, though, after we got started. There was like 10 seconds that I had of it. But then, with the, I don't know, I was monkeying with something and I stopped. I don't want to hear excuses. Congrats, by the way, Mr. Married Man. Let's just, hold on, ready? That's, the, that's my ring hitting the old control board here. That was just a can of Coke. <laughs> How does it feel? Um, You've probably been asked this a million times already, haven't it, you? It feels exactly the same as before, only with... Even less sleep than I normally get, and more stress. <laughs> right, even so. less sleep. What could be happening? No, let's not go no, down hey that now, road. Hey, hey now, <laughs> hey Save now. Save that for the honeymoon. Yeah, to Japan. Woo. Um. Yeah. I, um. I, it's. It was a really stressful starting off. We donated. Or vo- donated is not the right word. We volunteered some time. A week before our wedding to help with a flag football tournament that happens for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Fabulous. And then my friends uh, threw us a dinner, and so I got drunk at this dinner, and then I just kind of never recovered over the next two weeks of just running straight. We had our wedding and then a reception last weekend, so it was three weekends in a row of wedding-related things, and it was a blast. Amazing. However, I am so done with everyone (laughs) and everything. I've had enough. (laughs) Apart from your lovely new wife. She's wonderful, though. She's easy, so... She really, like, she doesn't cause me much stress. I mean, hang on. On the morning of your wedding reception here in this fair city of (laughs) Seattle, instead of helping her get ready for it, you were out doing a flaming karate tournament. Not only that, Ross, but I was kicking ass at this karate tournament. (laughs) I've never won anything in my life except for a Mariah Carey 12-inch single from the radio station when I was nine. And what more do you need than that? To be honest, you're right. But I won not one, but two trophies at this thing. And magnificent trophies they are. And I brought them to my wedding reception, and I made everyone see that I had them because I've never been more proud of my own personal achievement in terms of being rewarded for doing something well. I've been given compensation financially from working at a radio station before, and I do my job when we're not podcasting reasonably well at at a mediocre to mediocre plus level okay <laughs> much better than the pod but uh for once someone was like and you did it you were better than these other 10 or 20 people or whatever Woo-hoo! 
So when the Olympics come round to the next intake of new sports, are you going to be there advocating for karate? Listen here, New Zealand and Japan, they were pretty good too. You're going down. All right, there you go. You heard it here first. Yeah. You'll be about 60 by the time, but yeah. if you got it, you still got it. Look at Mr. Miyagi, I was say, I've watched Karate Kid, kid. yeah. Okay. He, and the next Karate Kid too, okay? Hilary Swank also went through the process and she was badass too, thanks to Mr. Miyagi. So It's all about Miyagi. Wax on, wax off. Now, that being fair, I'm a real Brad Evans here. I've done my hamstring uh, in the process of my karate tournament, so... Take it easy. <sighs> I'm on the wrong side of 35, Ross. That's the problem It's now. all downhill from here. That's... Put it this way, you're closer to 70 now than you are to zero. Oh, no. That's <laughs> a really sobering thought. Oh, boy. <laughs> That sucks. That's brought you down from the high of happiness and marriage, hasn't it? Well, I'll tell you, there's one thing. uh, Poor Seattle Sounders. Things are going a little bit better right now, but it looks as likely that I have taken home silverware this year than they actually will. So uh, I'll I'll take that in stride. That'll give me some more perspective. Yeah, although although you say that, and I'm sure we'll come on to it, there's still a chance, you know? No, of course, of course. And Portland pulled it off last year. So Um, Now, I am disappointed in myself because I didn't think this through far enough. That's unusual for you. I know. Usually I'm so well... Uh, <clears throat> Sorry, frog in my throat. Must be Donald Trump. How dare you? We're going to get to that, too. I want your take on that. But I was at a karate tournament fighting people, and I needed someone to commentate it, and I didn't bring you along. Can you imagine if you were holding, or if you were standing next to my friend holding the iPhone, and you were commentating what was happening, and I couldn't keep a... You'd have to stand like pretty far back, because there's no way I could keep a straight face and be trying to attack somebody, no matter what their level of competition was um if you were if you were you know jiving away in the background making nonsense and, and and making fun of me i think that that would have been hard but i wish I w- you would have been there to see it so you could have commentated would have loved to have. i think i have um, let me see if i have video of it because my buddy took it but he was also very hungover. my god the idea of a six foot five inch bearded <laughs> whirling wonder careering around this gym it's just an image to savor I mean, there was all sorts of material there, potential material. I feel like I missed out. Uh, I think you missed out as well, Ross, uh, because... Are you going to post this video to the pod? Oh, I'm seeing it now. Is this you fighting? It does look like Daniel son from Karate Kid. People in their white robes, <laughs> red and black helmets, and then the, the sensei or whoever says, Fight! And basically, both of the kids clad in white just run towards each other and then get what? told to be pulled apart. This what is the, sensational. One of, those, one of those kids is me. I'm the Written. tall one. On the, I'm on the right-hand side of the oh, screen there. Oh, kicks! Kicks and then punches. Ah, ah, help! I'm, I'm running away. I'm running away. I've done a kick. Did I'm I do tired. a kick? Was it I that did a kick or was it him? You did a punch and then a kick. Neither connected, obviously. And the other kid isn't really putting up a fight. What do you but mean, obviously? You look pretty stylish, my friend. Thank I like you. it. Oh, little one-two jab combination. You should be in the next MMA against, what's his name, Conor McGregor. I got to get some more chest tattoos first. This is superb. You can hear the atmosphere bubbling away. I wonder if you can on the mic here. That's nice. Yeah, here we are. Oh, good defending from an attempted kick by the opponent here. Greg circling around the man in red, fends off a couple of jabs, digs in a right hand of his own, and the referee says stop because I've got no idea why. <laughs> I have no idea what the competition rules are, but he's having a good long chat. This referee is talking to you both more than you're actually spending time fighting. You can't even be exhausted by that. Who would? 
That round I won right there. Uh, I won I think three to one in that. It's a it's a battle to three, uh-huh. and the point zones are from belt to sh- to I guess face. You can't hit the face. That's the thing, and you can't uh, hit below the belt. Right. So you can hit in anywhere in the chest or the sides, top or back of the head. Mm. That's protected by a helmet. Now the idea of any martial arts tournament is that there shouldn't actually be contact. If it is, it should just be I could have gone through you, but it should be by the time you hit, you're pulling up so that way you don't actually hurt anyone. That's the goal uh. there. Um, you watch the black belts fight though and that is not the case they are going for it mm-hmm. but at my level they're trying to keep us from killing each other and really at any level they're supposed to also do that there are some guys that did not heed that warning though and it was terrifying a lack of death is generally a good idea especially at a karate tournament that I had to pay money to get into I feel like if it was like conscription if I was thrown into it then maybe uh, a fatality might be something you would expect but considering I handed over my money to them I feel like the least that they could do is try and prevent my own demise so basically you paid someone to not hit somebody else and hope you didn't get hurt too that's correct and I ended up getting hurt so while wearing a big white robe like you're about to have a massage in one of those posh hotels yeah there you go good but with a big red helmet on yeah to me, my, my, mine was black actually but oh yeah, yeah sorry yeah. so, so I, I fought a guy who was uh, he was not quite at my level, um, and uh, we won't get into that because it's not appropriate, but also hilarious. Uh, ask me off air sometime if you run into me. Then uh, that advanced me to the next round where um, I fought a dude who um, didn't speak a lick of English except for oh hi. <laughs> That's all he kept saying. It was like a and his name is you, but he's like uh, Ryan, and we're like yes, Ryan, obviously. That's Clearly, a, that's your given name, I'm sure. And I beat that guy who was terrifying because he looked like he knew what he was doing, and. And then I got destroyed by a guy who was like five foot four. Oh he dear. like he whooped my ass. Did he sweep the leg? Oh no, hang on, you can't do that, can you? No, you can't. That's illegal. Ah. As we learned in the karate kid, the pretty much the primer for all of this. Also, that's that's my only reference point, as you can probably tell by I've got to go back and watch it though, because I think that based on like what the rules are and what they got mad about at the stuff at the tournament, I think that karate kid might actually be sort of grounded in reality a little bit, which is pretty interesting. It's one of the most relevant films of all time. Obviously. God, poor kid coming from Jersey to California. What's he to do, you know? Gosh. Fight other kids. Yeah, obviously. With an old man teaching him about bonsai trees. Lots of hanging out with like an old weird man in that movie. I think that today's day and age, I don't know if that would go over so hot in California. Well, who knows? Okay. Um, the guy that I fought at the end who beat me, everyone around me was like, dude, just kick. Just keep kicking. Just kick, kick, kick. Because there's no way he can get to you. He's so small. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just kick. So you ended up doing the river dance? I ended up not doing any kicks or stomp. <laughs> I just went to punch and uh, he won. So I should have listened and I feel like an idiot. But also somewhere to go. So That's your first one. Yeah, plus I took home two trophies. Because then after that we do forms, which is like the like the choreographed stuff where you're like, hi! Hi! Do you have to make those noises too? Oh, yeah. You get graded on noises. Well, actually sort of because everyone does the same one and there's two places within. I did this thing called pin on one. That's like a... You want me to demonstrate? Yes, please. This is great for, for podcasts when no one can see what well, you're we doing. We have a commentator, so I feel like it's okay. Okay, so Greg is now standing up. Remember, he is six feet five. So his head is almost bashing the lights. He's now got his hands clasped together in front of his chest. He leans forwards, a respectful bowing motion. 
and then does a kind of gun show. Dragon breathes fire. Dragon breathes fire. Okay, he's now looking fearsome as he moves his arms hey. away, strikes, moves forwards, arm in, out again, back hey. to his chest, turns 180, yeah. more shouting, and don't hit me! Don't hit me! And the game can further away! Hey! And then come back this way. No, I'm, 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 I'm done. I'm done. Hey. You're scaring me already. That yeah. height, that height thing is not. It, it, and then back over here, like this. More. Is there's more. And they're like this. And, now he's just doing moves from what was it called? Dancing with the Stars. Hey. I tell you what, Ryan Lochte has got nothing on Gregor. He's still going. Oh, another bow. Very respectful. Thank you, thank you, thank and you. done. I can see why you won two trophies now. Thank you. So you're the, an intimidating beast, a, my friend. There's only two parts where you're supposed to make it where you're, it's required that hi like that, okay? Yeah, hi. And uh, that's not as in hello. Hi, 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 hi mom. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, it's as a uh, intimidation factor. Um, but then you're allowed to put them in wherever you want for effect. And so my karate instructor, Sensei Cody, real authentic. Eastern name. Yeah. Um, he, Sounds uh, like he's some Kyoto, doesn't yeah, it? Absolutely, obviously. Um, he told me, no, no, you got to sell it. You got to be more dramatic, and that's what'll set you apart. I took third place, so I'd Pretty say he good. was good. Right. There were only two competitors. <sighs> it was awkward. Cheap shot. Cheap yeah, shot. Thanks. Thanks. I would have blocked it with that kind of cheap shot because karate. <laughs> so, hi. Hi. Oh, hi. So, hi. yeah, anyway, uh, the karate tournament, <sighs> pretty successful. Feeling pretty good about it. Good. Uh, so, okay, let's see on my list here. I got married. That's pretty cool. You got any good marriage advice for me? You've been uh, married for a couple of years. Yeah, probably none that we could put on the pod. Um, love your wife. <laughs> got it. There you go. That's <laughs> the best thing I can possibly offer. Well, thank you. Ross, I have a question for you. Go on. Um, do you know what a soda stream is? Oh, do I? Heck, that's another 1980s phenom. What? Soda stream? Yeah. The Did 80s? you not have soda stream in the 80s? No. That... I didn't have one until 2014. You're kidding me. No, for oh, real. Oh, they were amazing. You could make your own colas. And I guess you're still doing the, the, the millennial age, right? That's nuts. I had no idea that they even existed. This must have been like a European thing. And you had the old bottles that were like the Mexican Coke bottles, and you whack it on the top there, put in your soda stream over the top. It was a big old clunky thing. Wow. But we, by, the, by my back door of my kitchen at my mum and dad's house was where we kept the soda stream. Now, I, it was brilliant. I guess the fizzy water, what, what would you call it? Uh, Carbonated. Is that what you say? I'd like a carbonated water mother. Yeah. Is that what you'd say? There yeah. wasn't like a pop or anything like that. Or no. what do they say? Like, um... well, like you'd, you'd say pop if you wanted a fizzy drink. Yeah. Okay. But the, obviously, the plain stuff is the carbonated water. Then you'd add your syrup. Okay. So I'm past. I got over the the syrup part. I don't like the sweet drinks so much anymore. Uh -huh. Like a few years ago, I switched to diet drinks, which are gross, and I like have not gotten off of those. But I always crave the bubbles. And so my now wife at some point was like, "Well, you, you want, want to, let's get some soda water." I was like, "That's disgusting. It tastes like garbage." And she was like, "You're an idiot." Mm -hmm. uh, she I has agree. to do a lot. Um, and she, you don't like the soda water? Not only so. Oh man! Ugh, I mean, just no. I just I was agreeing that she thinks you're an idiot. Oh yeah, Not, <laughs> nothing to do with the soda. Water. Thank you, thank you. Yes, that's uh, all right. And so she got me drinking the fizzy water, man. And now I can't live without it. So we went through, and we were uh, thanks for uh, helping fund our bullet train adventure through Japan. That was very nice of you. Nice Pleasure. wedding gift. We went through and found stuff to add to our registry, and like we're going to Japan. It's an expensive trip, and people came out of the woodwork who like. I didn't invite to things, and they were like, how can I contribute to your Japan trip? And so we've got everything met, and there's people still like, there's nothing I can contribute anymore. Do you just want cash? And like, so we're trying to find things to put on this wedding <laughs> registry, right? <laughs> a week and a half after we got married, it's still going. Um, and one of the things I'm, I'm going to make, 
I found the pieces and the and the people that do it. I'm going to take our soda stream and I'm going to hook it up to a restaurant grade tank of CO2 mm. and make it so that way you don't have those stupid bottles that you screw in that are proprietary that you 15 bucks to fill them at Bed Bath and Beyond or whatever take you 20% off coupon and save a few bucks. But we're going to actually hook it up to a giant tank and I'm going to have endless soda water at my house. It it's very exciting. I couldn't think of anything better to have in my house than an endless bucket of soda water. It's not going to be a bucket. I mean, it's not like I'm just going to be... He's going to be inviting kids off the street. Instead of having a lemonade store, you're just going to sell soda water. Oh, man. If I was walking down the street and someone had cold soda water... ah, You'd run a mile. Man, I would give them a buck for sure. Oh, all right. Well, ah, I love soda water. Finish work at lunchtime every day. Maybe you could make an extra buck on the side. How do you feel about going to like um when you go to like a like fast food restaurant and they're like they give you your cup for a drink and you like don't want a pop, you just want some soda water. I won't pay for the drink. I'll just get the cup and get the soda water because I feel like that's I don't mm. know if I don't know if I'm being a good or bad citizen when I do that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. I, I, I very rarely do that. I did, the only time I've done that recently is actually in uh, Brazil, in Rio, the first day I got there uh, for the Olympics. And I went into the food court, this giant mall where, where my hotel was. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a clue how to order in Portuguese. So what I did was I went to Burger King. I feel really <laughs> bad about this. Had a dirty Whopper with cheese and they gave me one of those cups. I was like, oh, I know how to do this. That was comfort. That's the only time do I had one of those you stay away from the sodas. fast food? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, man, that's amazing. Yeah, I try. I love me some McDonald's cheeseburgers, man. I can't help it. It's just the way I was raised. Pick two, triple cheeseburger, now on sale. <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, okay, well, so the soda stream, man, I'm hooked, and I can't wait to take it to the next freaking level. Good it's stuff. Be Sounds incredible. exciting. Exciting. Ross, did you watch the, the debates last night? The I, debate? I did indeed. Oh, my God. What a garbage fire that was. <laughs> Fascinating all the same, though. As a Brit as I am. In the US, seeing these debates cranked up to, to 100, to DEFCON 3, it's quite something compared to our fairly sanitised version of politics back where I'm from in the UK. Well, I mean, that's how it's been. Usually they're, like, boring as hell. Like, when you're here, it's, like, usually, like, oh, well, he got his issues wrong on this thing. I disagree. Usually there's... But at there's, least they talked about policy in the olden days. That's what I mean. It, it was crazy that, like, there's they should be so boring because it should be about, like, running a country, not about just being like, nah, hate that person, that, that's dumb, you're an idiot. You, you called know. this person this, and yeah. you lied about that, and your emails, da 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 It's yeah. like a high school scenario or something like that. But I saw someone, I can't remember whom, on the internet with a little blue check mark next to their name, and they said, uh, you want these debates to get better, have one of us, a British person, moderate it. <laughs> and so I was thinking, who do I know that's British that could moderate a debate? <sighs> Ross Fletcher, I nominate you to moderate a debate. Do you think you could handle Donald Trump talking over you? Well, in deference, I did once, twice, three times. Yeah, there you go. Three times. Just keep talking. I did interview the sitting British Prime Minister, Tony Blair, three times during his my my radio career in the UK about the the UK presidential election, about the Iraq war, etc. So I enjoy those things. Uh, I'm a bit of a news junkie as well. You also know about economics. Uh, Yeah. The, um, the thing with Trump, though, and with Clinton, as you saw with the, the moderator, Lester Holt, who's a truly accomplished broadcaster, even he couldn't rein them in. And I think there's almost too much of a deferential attitude from the moderator that you want policy specifics from the candidates. And to my mind, there was only one candidate who was holding forth on that. And when the question was asked, there was too many diversions yeah. from Trump about what the actual issues were 
And so you never heard policy. And it was almost like the moderator was too timid, maybe, or too respectful to interject. Say, but this isn't the question. So, yeah, what I would do is I'd go hell for leather. I mean, I'd probably get thrown out of the country, but my question is, and then if he comes back, and blah, 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 no, but my question was, but you're not answering the question. Was well, that how it would work if you brought an English person in? Would it just be relentless, like, dogging of the candidates? There's a guy in the UK called Jeremy Paxman. Yeah. Look him up on YouTube. I'm sure there'll be clips. He's recently moved away from his longtime role on the BBC's Newsnight programme, which is a, a highbrow nightly news programme, which is more focused on interviews than quick recaps of the day's issues. And he is a Rottweiler when he gets going and will not let politicians or any other people get away with not answering the question. There was a very famous episode with a former Conservative Party leader, effectively a Republican Party leader, in the UK probably 15 years ago now. And he almost destroyed this politician's career because he asked the single same question something like 14 times within a minute. (laughs) Within a minute. And I can't quite recall what the question was. But if you YouTube Jeremy Paxman, Michael Howard, you will get that up. Maybe we could even do it now. And to hear him go after this high-ranking politician who was the leader of the, the opposition, I think, at the time, Rather like a Donald Trump. It was amazing. Now, Michael Howard is uh, with us in the studio. Uh, Mr. Howard, Mr. Lewis says, I, that is Mr. Lewis, told him what we had decided about Marriott and why he, that is you, exploded. Simply moving the governor was politically unpalatable. It sounded indecisive. It would be seen as a fudge. If I did not change my mind and suspend Marriott, he would have to consider overruling me. Mr. Marriott... You can't both be right. Mr. Marriott was not suspended. I was entitled to express my views. I was entitled to be consulted. Did you threaten to overrule I, I was not entitled to instruct Derek Lewis, and I did not instruct him. And did the you truth threaten of, to overrule the, him? The truth of the matter is that Mr. Marriott was not suspended. Did you I threaten did not, to overrule him? I did not overrule Derek did Lewis. Did you threaten to overrule him? I took advice on what I could or could not did do, you threaten and to I overrule acted him, Mr. scrupulously in accordance with that advice. I did not overrule Derek Lewis. Did you Lewis. threaten to overrule Mr. him? Mr. Marriott... Not suspended. Did you threaten to overrule him? I have accounted for my decision to dismiss Derek Lewis. Did you threaten to overrule him? Detail before the House of Commons. I note you're not answering the question whether you threatened to overrule him. The the important aspect of this, which it's very clear to bear in mind. I'm sorry. I'm going to be frightfully rude, but yes, you can. I'm sorry. It's you a frightful yes question, yes or no. And I would would give you an answer. Did you threaten to overrule him? I discussed this matter with Derek Lewis. I gave him the benefit of my opinion. I gave him the benefit of my opinion in strong language. But I did not instruct him because I was not uh, entitled to instruct him. I was entitled to express my opinion, and that is what I did. With respect, that is not answering the question of whether you threatened to overrule him. It's dealing with the relevant point, which is what I was entitled to do and what I was not entitled to do. And I have dealt with this in detail before the House of Commons and before the Select Committee. But with respect, you haven't asked the question whether you threatened to overrule him. Well, you see, the question is what was Did I entitled to do and what was I not <laughs> He's entitled really to good, do? Isn't he? I was not entitled to insult. All right, that's, that's incredible. You get the gist. Yeah. You get the general My gist. My God. The fact that um, the, I can't imagine Lester Holt even being able to come close to that uh, in yesterday's debate. There's no way. He, they just moved him right out of the way. Like, hey, shh. 
we're, we're arguing over here. Can yeah. you be quiet Excuse down me, there? excuse me. You are not invited to our party, even though you're the one in charge of it. So, Ross, I'm going to tweet at whoever has the coverage of the next one and suggest that it be you, okay? No, no, no do Paxman. I think he's probably better prepared than I would be. Uh, you said you're a news hound. I feel like it could happen. Yeah, okay then. All right, good. We're, we're in agreement. Done. Done. Uh, it's it's weird, and to see how the British actually do the news blows my mind. Because I like, it's do you like, like the Britishness as well of, uh, I, I, I'm going to be frightfully rude here, <laughs> but did you threaten to overrule it? I like that. I'm announcing my intention right now, and now you will have to eat it. <laughs> it's a very polite British way of interrogating somebody, isn't it? I'm frightfully rude here. Now, Ross, we haven't had a chance really to talk since, because uh, I've been so frightfully busy recently. It's frightfully. Frightfully It's been rude frightfully rude of you. <laughs> to not be able to podcast with you. But um, the Sounders are in a much different place than they were at the beginning of the summer now that we're at the end. They've uh, excused Ziggy Schmidt from his responsibilities. He's off in California, I presume, running around doing whatever he does, probably with a hot dog. I'm not sure. Um, But now... Is it too far? The look on your face was frightfully shocked that I would say... I don't think I've ever gotten you to do that before. That's amazing. Let's <laughs> <sighs> mark that point right there. <laughs> Hot dog talk. <laughs> um, but Brian Schmetzer has come in, and he's taken over this squad. One loss in, what, like eight games or something like that. We're yeah. talking about a fully different squad. One that's also missing the other key player from last year, Clint Dempsey. And they've introduced Lodero and put the pressure on the kid. Like, yeah. How um, different is this squad? Totally. Totally. I said back in April... Seattle aren't making the playoffs. They they made the change they had to make, which was moving Ziggy Schmidt on. Yeah, and not necessarily bringing Brian Schmetzer on as the, the 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 coach was the thing they had to do, but moving Ziggy Schmidt on was that number one thing. And they've been night and day, haven't they? Yeah. All of a sudden, they go into this Wednesday night game at home to the worst team in MLS, Chicago Fire. No one's lost more than them. The only other team that's also lost 14 games are the Sounders' opponent after that, Vancouver Whitecaps, who they've also just beaten. And they're three points behind Portland, which is the final playoff spot, with two games in hand. So effectively, if Seattle win Wednesday night against Chicago Fire... They're in the playoff spots, but also with a game in hand over Portland. It's incredible how things turn around. Huge, huge credit to Brian Schmetzer, who should get the job full-time. Why he's got the interim tag around his neck, I don't know. He's qualified to do the job. Unless Seattle are thinking of making a splashy overseas hire that will come in and revolutionise the team. Not that foreign coaches have really ever had huge success in MLS anyway because of some of its Byzantine structures and ways of operating. It's Brian Schmetzer's job. Give give him the job full-time. Remove that interim tag. He has been the single biggest reason in my book why the Sounders are alive again. Now, if the Sounders don't make the playoffs, though, here, there's only five games left. If they don't make it, does he not get the job in your mind? He still gets the job because he came in when it looked like Seattle were not going to make the playoffs. And you made the case. Just one defeat in what eight, nine games, having just come off their result of the season. Winning 4-2 at LA Galaxy, who I think were unbeaten in 16 matches. Before that, unbeaten in 16 games. Very good team, of course, five times champs, and looking like making a late run. 
for the Supporter Shield title for the best regular season record. Seattle go down to the StubHub Center in, in Carson, Southern California, and get that victory, their first win in, in LA since 2009, scoring four goals in the process. That was an amazing result. Well, and then you're Tremendous put, stuff. It's frighteningly shocking how well that uh, you put the when you put that pressure onto a kid like Jordan Morris, like how bad that could be for him. Without Clint Dempsey. And then he and Lodero become pals, and they're out there. I, mean, I didn't see a lot from Lodero this last match. He was out there conducting, for sure. But we didn't hear his name called like crazy like it was the Jordan Morris show. Because Morris has stepped up. And the thing is, it, I did an interview with a Canadian radio station yesterday, and they were asking me, has Jordan Morris struggled a little bit without Clint Dempsey? I said, hey. no. It's the opposite for me. The way he took his second goal against LA, outside of the right foot, top corner, decisive, even though technically you'd say he should strike it with his left. It doesn't matter because he finished it so well and he's taken on the mantle of responsibility with Dempsey out of the team. And to get 12 goals in your rookie season, no other rookie apart from Carl Lahren at Orlando last year has ever scored more in their rookie season. He's starting to fulfil his promise. There's no doubt for me, Nicholas Ladero, who is a magnificent player, has made Jordan Morris a better footballer. But... Morris's better composure, his ability to finish in these last couple of months has been all of his own work. And I think he deserves massive credit. Having started the season slowly with all that expectation, the unfair expectation heaped on him from both inside and outside the club, that Morris has come alive. Is he the finished article? No. Has he shown a level of maturity and ability with which to drag Seattle back into the playoff race, absolutely. It absolutely looks like he's he's stepped up after that immense amount of pressure. Mm. And that we look at Clint Dempsey, we have no information about him whatsoever. And the team's currently not missing him on the pitch. And there'll come a time when you're playing three games in eight days or whatever it is that's happening right now. You're going to wish you had a Clint Dempsey out there. Who's or you're, done playing, this. you're playing a one-and-done playoff scenario where you need your game changes, and Clint Dempsey's one of those. But right now, there's a big... I mean, you could make an argument that you could get a different DP and save yourself some money if you're the Seattle Sounders. And I wonder if that goes through Dempsey's head at all. He's still got another year left on his contract, and like you say, nobody knows his his severity of health issues, you just wish that he will be healthy whatever path Clint Dempsey goes down. 100%. Um, But on the field, yeah, they could do with him. Of course. Do they actually need to rely on him right now? No. Because Ladero is scoring or assisting in every game that he plays. He's right up there now with with an eight-game streak. I think the overall MLS record is 11 games all time, which just shows the impact Ladero has had. And then Morris is banging in the goals. Ladero has been the game changer on the field. Brian Schmetzer has been the game changer off it. Ladero has been the game changer on it. And with that, he's helped Jordan Morris become even better. So you've got this virtuous cycle, if you like. And let's not overlook the return of Roman Torres. He looks shaky in the air against LA Galaxy. But I think just his presence has helped Seattle and given them a different air of confidence. And I don't just mean how good he is at dancing in the locker room after the games, <laughs> which are brilliant Great little video. trips to see, by the way. But they're the little things sometimes 
that lift a locker room, that changes the mood. A character like Torres comes in, who clearly a positive figure, and just adds a bit of an aura. And that team dynamic has shifted from a slumping side that didn't want to play for the coach to a new guy coming in who clearly knows his X's and O's on the training field, has the respect of his players, Brian Schmetzer, and has been able to utilise Nicholas Ladero and get the best out of Jordan Morris. Seattle at the moment are only going one way. They now have their destiny in their own hands in terms of reaching the playoffs. That's something they couldn't have been saying for a fair few months this season. Okay, well then you take this turn and you say, you brought it up just a minute ago, but you have a team that's coming into Seattle on Wednesday night. That'll be today, actually, when I release this. Tonight, we'll say. The Chicago Fire, who have been garbage all year. They're the, I think they're the worst in the entire MLS, mm-hmm. if not the worst mm-hmm. in the East, for sure. Um, but this team comes in, and Seattle now is charged with making sure that they don't take their foot off the gas a little bit here. That chip on the shoulder that they're bringing into it must be so important. This is where soccer, like any sport, is a wonderful leveler. It can come and nip and bite you on the backside any moment you're not looking. Was it early in the season, a couple of years ago, Seattle started well and Columbus Crew came into town and beat them with a couple of, of, of late goals. And you just think, oh, how, how did that happen? And there are moments in a season. LA Galaxy probably had it with their moment against the Sounders at the weekend where they feel invincible and then a team that's been out of it comes and knocks them off their perch. And LA had that last year with Portland Timbers who absolutely ripped them apart when the Galaxy looked invincible. So it happens. Chicago fire a different kettle of fish to the Sounders or Portland Timbers. But still, they have players who are proud, should be proud, that are professionals who will be going out to get a result. Prove a few doubters wrong. Maybe some of them are playing for contracts for next season. There's all sorts of motivations for those players to come in and bring about an upset. So there can't be complacency from the Sounders. But they have this momentum right now, which just gives them a a fuzzy feeling in the belly, one they haven't had for a Ooh. while. And they're, I'm sure they're determined not to let that go. Now, over the weekend, 107.7 The End carried the first ever radio broadcast for us of the Sounders, and we're, Sounders are now 1-0 and when on the end, so that's a pretty 100%, good thing. 100%. 100%. You can't go better than that. i got to give you uh, big props, though, because we go we have the, the line between here and L.A., where, we, where the broadcast team is down there, and Matt Johnson and Casey Keller are the two that are calling this match, because ESPN's covering it for TV, so Casey's not there, and uh, push the button and say, hey, Matt Johnson, it's Gregor back in the studio. Oh, hey, Gregor. And then I hear... Out of nowhere, Casey Keller go, Gregor, what's up? And I, I was like, it was one of these moments where I'm like, he must have paid enough attention from you guys working together for so long or from some little cues here or there. I've met him one time for five minutes. Like, <laughs> nothing memorable enough that he would remember that. So somewhere you tied the, you made that connection for me, I think, without knowing it possibly. I'm yeah. going to give you the credit for that. Yeah, okay, I'll take it. There you go. How about that? <laughs> Nicely yeah. done. So I made, but it made me feel like a million bucks. So you inadvertently, in, in my mind. Maybe he listens to you more than you think. Oh, yeah. He does like the music. I mean, he is into the metal, though. I don't know if he's listening yeah, to 21 he's... Pilots or or something. Uh, or I guess maybe the Oasis stuff. He'd probably like that. No, um, he doesn't like Oasis. He hates Oasis. You think? Yeah. Just all five-finger death punch all the time. A hundred percent of the way. But what that's it? nice, isn't it? Yeah, it was but nice. But he's a good dude. Casey, you know, we spent four years as... As, as colleagues and friends and lunch buddies on the road and, <laughs> and all sorts, going out on his boat now and again, which is very nice. So, yeah, you, you realise that there are people in this world that 
are, are on a pedestal. They're, they're stars of the, yeah. the show and you are deferential and respectful thank to you. them. Thank you, Ross. Thank and you. then you just realise, like you did, that at the end of the day, they, those stars are just people like you sure, and I. Sure, sure. And they are friendly and they want to be buddies with you and you might not realise that. But so. you, weren't, you weren't talking about me when you were talking about the pedestal? No. Oh, no. Crap. Sorry about that. Uh, we had Danny Jackson and Wade Weber from the broadcast team in here with us as pundits talking about the stuff as we threw them the questions. They responded sort of like you do to me right now. Hi. Uh, one of the things they said was watch out because Chicago could just show up and throw a team of kids on the field to see uh, who wants it most for next season and how that could potentially disrupt the Sounders. Something you you worry about that you're... No, you don't worry about it. You focus on your own game, but it's always, it's always a possibility. You can never predict it. If soccer was a predictable sport... Nobody would watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's how it goes. And I refer you to my earlier comments about those players being professional. They they they're playing for pride. They're playing for their careers in some people's cases. Because if they don't perform, they're out. And it's a very cutthroat world, um, the world of soccer, the world of sport. If you don't perform, it's what have you done for me lately? Rather than well, you know, two years ago you scored ten goals, so I'm going to keep you on. That doesn't work in professional sports. So yeah, they could come and shed a, a few tears of Sounders fans if if they bring bring their A game and, and Seattle aren't quite on it. I got a chance to sit down with old Brad Evans finally last week. That was incredible. Have you recovered? Uh, yeah, I've recovered. Thank you. I'm feeling good about it. I All had right. I had a wedding reception that I had to plan, so you I had to execute. Me. I didn't do anything. It was a lorry, but uh, I had to. Uh, that was weighing on my mind, so I got the Brad Evans thing down, and then I kind of was like switching gears or whatever. But after all this talk about it for the last what three or four years now, finally we made everything come together. One so. to one with your hero that you put on a pedestal. <sighs> there we go.